Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. going to get so excited to hear this real true life story of how uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the powerful Holy Spirit, and the Heavenly Father taught me about deliverance and how to set people free. And yes, Christians can have demons. So let's go right now into one of the times. I'm trying to think, this is pretty cool. I would say this was probably one of the first times, it was years ago, and some of you were even there that are here tonight. And we had, I used to do conference, I used to do retreats, but I didn't want to stay in the houses with all these people I didn't know, these ladies for these retreats. So this one year, we were going to, we stayed in different little condominiums, maybe one of our first retreats um, in, in, North, in Outer Banks. So the, how, the condos we were supposed to stay at, they actually were recarpeting them so they wouldn't let us in, even though we had made reservations for there. So this very nice, kind man um, came, and he's the one who had connected me with these uh, condominiums. So he went to a friend's house. Some of you will remember. It's a round house. It's the first time I ever met some of you. And he literally kicked the door in so we could have the ladies retreat. Now I'm not in my own little condo with a few friends. Now I'm in the house with a bunch of strangers, ladies, who had come to one of our first retreats years and years and years ago. And so during this retreat, um, and I was pretty new at all this, I, there was this one woman, and she just seemed really not right. Like, she was acting all spiritual and saying all these spiritual things, but I could just look at her and know, this woman is probably not even saved. And so I called, the, I got Karen, who was with me, I think, even back then. And I, I asked this lady to come downstairs for a minute before we started the meeting upstairs in the living room area. And I asked her who Jesus was, and she couldn't tell me. And so I started asking her about her walk with the Lord, and she really couldn't tell me. I said, well, how can you be acting so spiritual and saying all these things and acting kind of like a leader? And I said, because... I don't even think you know the Lord. And so I said, I want you're more than welcome to stay, but I, I really don't want you to minister to anyone, to talk to anyone, um, you know, about God and to act as if you know him because, and we'll help you, but what you have isn't real. And we did the test of the spirit, which you ask who Jesus is. And Holy Spirit will say really quickly who Jesus is through somebody. And I'll save that for another time. So anyway, so we're like, okay. And this was so interesting because here I am in a house with, I don't know how many people were there. I think maybe 17, something like that. And I only knew a few of them. And so I'm not recommending anybody ever try this, okay? <laughs> so we're all together. I remember uh, Monica, who's, she's part of our ministry team now. She was just a young, um, barely out of her teens. I remember she was there. 
And so we were all upstairs. And the funny thing is the, the man, I won't say his name, but who had got us this place to stay, he, he was actually going through something kind of painful. I think um, it was his mother had recently died or something. And he asked if he could stay. And I wasn't even sure if he was into the charismatic, you know, kind of wild stuff. So I'm like, okay. So here's this one man sitting way in the back, um, not really with the group, but observing. It was very interesting. So anyway, so we're all worshiping. We, we had like, a, this is how long ago, we had cassette tapes and we had Christian songs going and we had really put the songs in there. And, um, and so there were songs we love, songs that really made us hungry for God. So we put those in there. And so I felt the presence of the Lord so strong. And I noticed everyone just kind of without trying, we all just kind of formed almost like a, a walkway and half the ladies were on one side and half were on the other side. And everybody was worshiping and worshiping with no one even trying to get them to worship. And as we were worshiping, I literally felt the presence of the Lord. So the spirit of the Lord was there and I had a, a vision, but it's like an inner vision, which means it's more like kind of like imagination or daydream or talk some other time about um, a vision you see with your eyes, but they're still very clear when you have these inner visions. And so I saw the Lord like riding in on a donkey and he was about to come in. I didn't say this to anyone. And all the ladies were just, all of a sudden the presence of God was so strong. Everyone just started worshiping. Now we're talking years ago, you guys. And so, um, and then the Lord says to me, I'm here to fight for someone's soul and tell the ladies not to touch what I'm doing. So I'm like, okay. And so we're worshiping. And so I say to the lady, I said, look, I don't know what's about to happen, but the spirit of the Lord's here in a powerful way. And he's here to rescue a soul. And I said, so, and he told me to tell you, don't anyone touch what he's about to do. So whatever's about to happen. And everybody's just worshiping. Everybody felt the presence of God. It wasn't anybody trying to help somebody feel it. Um, so this lady the woman who I had told not to minister, that she really didn't know the Lord, that I didn't know why she had this uh, spirituality, but it wasn't of God. I've learned a lot about all that since then. So she was sitting on the, on the sofa with another lady who was her friend who brought her. And all of a sudden, I'll never forget this, the presence of the Lord, he almost he levitated her, lifted her up off of the couch and she wasn't a skinny mini just to, you know, just to know it wasn't like the wind was able to do this. And, and all of a sudden she was being pulled. You could see something was fighting for her. You couldn't see it because the demons involved were invisible and the Lord's, the spirit of the Lord and the angels were invisible, but you saw her in the air almost being pulled back and forth. It was the wildest thing, even to this day, one of the wildest things I've ever seen. And everybody's kind of freaking out. And I just told everybody, just close your eyes and pray in tongues. You know, just don't touch what God's doing. So we're, we're all praying in tongues. This is the first time anything like this had ever happened to me. Um, and, and we're just watching this fight go for this woman, like pulling her back and forth and twisting her around and spinning her. It was just wild. And then all of a sudden, and the presence of God was so strong and you could feel this spiritual warfare. And so we're all, I think about everybody there at this time was probably praying in tongues who knew how to pray in tongues. And it was like, oh, because it was so intense and none of us knew. What a way to start a women's retreat, one of our first ones ever. And so the next thing I know, this lady falls to the ground and she starts weeping and weeping and weeping. And I heard the Lord say, 
she's mine. And then the presence of God like that was, was gone. And we were like, oh my gosh. And, and the, the guy who was, you know, who had got the building for us, he was sitting back there like amazed. I thought, I thought he was going to sh- throw us out for being crazy or something. But he was like so amazed with this presence of God. So we talked to the woman to find out she had never cried her entire childhood. Something so traumatic had happened to her that her entire childhood she had never cried. And so the Lord had me tell her, well, now, now Jesus has won this war. Jesus has won this war. And so it was amazing. And, and it changed her whole life. And um, so I'm not going to share it on this adventure in God. But the next adventure in God, I'm going to share more about that whole scenario. Because the Lord taught me so much about deliverance that I didn't know. I wasn't reading anyone's books. I didn't know how to do this. And, and, and I think I wanted to start with that so you could realize how I got put into this deliverance kind of ministry. Like, whoa, you know, I was, I was going to have a nice little worship um, conference, you know, with women just enjoying God. And the Lord came. Isn't it amazing that he, if we would all just yield and get out of the way, that he would come and rescue people. And he doesn't even really need our help, but we're to do what he shows us. And that was the beginning of her deliverance. That was not the finale. That was her getting free into a place to know that Jesus loved her. And so after that, we begin to find out her story and about some um, ritual abuse she had gone through as a child. And so to hear that, you're going to have to check out the next adventure in God um, on this um, on the YouTube channel, or you can check here on Facebook in a week from now. And so I want to start this whole uh, five-week uh, little seminar out with knowing you can't do this without the Holy Spirit, okay? You can't do this. Those who tried to do this without the Holy Spirit in the scripture were the sons of Sceva, and the devils beat them up. And I'm not telling you that to be afraid. I'm telling you that to have a reverence for God a reverence for him. This isn't about you. This isn't about how powerful you are. This is about God's heart to rescue people. And we are living in a day and an age where we need to rescue people every single day. And so that's one reason we're doing this. So we're using the book, um, Pigs in the Parlor, a handbook for deliverance. And it's by, was it Frank? Frank Hammond? Frank Hammond. And I read this. Everybody says, oh, I've read that. Well, we've all read it, but are you doing it? Because I'm doing it. Okay, like I really do deliverance all the time. Actually, I took three demons out of somebody just um, before the New Year's Eve party. Um, and um, it's just normal life. for a, we As believers, it should be normal life. It's not normal for believers to have to sit in meetings year after year after year and not be free. So this emphasis for this next five weeks is self-deliverance so that you can get yourself free. And once you learn to get yourself free, then you can start to get other people free. But everybody wants to try to practice on everybody else. But if the devil knows that you don't have the authority or you don't have faith or you walk in fear or you're walking in pride, he can really make deliverance a little bit difficult for you. We have to know who we are in Christ. So let's go to chapter one. How many read chapter one already? Oh, you guys are so good. Of course, we're just starting out. And so everybody always does pretty good their first day of school. So let's keep this up because we're going to try to get through this in five weeks. And you guys know me. All right. I am going to read some of it directly from the book, which is why you will not be able to find this on the social media. 
because I've always believed, why rewrite something that Holy Spirit already had somebody do so well, okay? And even though it means I can't put this out as much as I would otherwise, it still will be under the mentorship. Um, so he says here, demon spirits can invade and dwell human bodies. How many in this church know that, okay? So, um, so, so people are still arguing about that. Even their arguing is probably a spirit in them doing that. So that's, so you can have spirits in you. I've never yet met anyone, including myself, that did not have something of, of an evil spirit still living in them. When you get saved, you do not get deliverance. When you get saved, you come into the kingdom of God where you can now get deliverance. When you get saved and you ask Jesus into your heart, now Holy Spirit has come in and he is the one who has to do this work. Okay? So once he comes in, the church should have more of an emphasis on sanctification, breaking generational curses, and he, being healed in the brokenhearted places. You know, Jesus says, I think it's in um, Luke 14, I believe, but it, where he says, Jesus says, um, that he's come to um, preach the gospel, the good news to the poor. That's the poor in spirit. That's unsaved. I want everybody to get this right now. Poor has nothing to do with your wallet. Poor has to do with your spirit. And everyone who's not saved is bankrupt in the things of God. Okay? And so, so he came to do that. The second thing he came to do is to heal the brokenhearted, which is part of deliverance that's not going to be talked about during these five weeks but this ministry really does a lot of that. We've lived lots of teaching. For those who are watching this on other parts of the mentorship um, page and different places, go listen to some of that. Because Jesus' intention was to heal those places first so that then it's easy to get to the spirits and cast them out. Because the second, third thing is setting, set the captives free. But he goes and heals those hurt places. Okay, that's not just emotional places. That's a place where Satan came in strategically, targeted you, targeted your parents, targeted everything to make sure he had a hold in your life. And so, um, so it goes together. But we have hundreds of hours of teaching on that. And so we're going to really look at the setting captives free. So I'm going to know that the people who are here, you guys already know that. You've been a part of that at this ministry for years. Those who are listening or watching somewhere else on a mentorship, I really encourage you, go do the teaching. Go listen to the teaching video on healing the brokenhearted, um, inner healing, whatever different title it's under, because that is actually supposed to precede setting the captives free. Sometimes you don't get that option. Um, like if somebody is attacking you with a spirit of murder, uh, you probably don't have time to talk to them about their childhood. Right? So you better know how to cast a demon out, okay? So we'll tell some of those stories later too. But anyway, we've had some wild, wild stories. Anyhow, they're true. All right. So by indwelling a person, these demons attain a greater advantage in controlling that person than when they work from the outside. When demons indwell a person, he or she has evil spirits, can, um, is with evil spirits, and it talks about being possessed by evil spirits. I love what he says here. He says the word translated possessed by the King James actually is um, it's a different word, and it should be demonized. You cannot be possessed by Satan or demons once you are born again, okay? 
because the word possession means complete ownership. Now you could be possessed before and then you really, Holy Spirit power come like Jesus did to the crazy person, you know, out um, who nobody could control. But once that person accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and wanted him, you're no longer possessed, okay? But you still have demons indwelling in you or harassing you. And so um, truthfully, let's just get rid of all of them, okay? Let's not debate it. Let's just, people say, well, that's just my flesh. Well, if your flesh is that ugly, then, then you, you, if it's just your flesh, you can control it. And so as a Christian, you shouldn't have flesh problems. After a while, you should outgrow flesh problems. Holy Spirit collects, I mean, convicts you of flesh problems. You repent, turn from it, and they should be gone. So if that doesn't, quote, work for you, then you need to recognize, okay, there's a spirit involved in this. And, um, and I, that doesn't mean everybody's going to growl, although I'm going to tell some stories about people growling. And it doesn't mean everybody, uh, the enemy can control their actions. I will say we're living in a day and age where even our young people are more demonized than has ever been in the history of this nation because of the things they're watching and listening to for entertainment, because of generational curses that have been passed down that the church has not seriously repented and seen and hated. But we got a lot of teaching on that. All right. So when you get a chance, I've already done this, but we're not going to have time. You can look up Mark 9, 17, Luke 4, 33, Mark 1, 23, um, and Matthew 4, 24. And you'll see some examples of, of situations where God is, Jesus is talking about these people are possessed. So I want to look at especially Mark 1, 22 to 27, because it's going to tell us a whole lot um, about some of this, okay? So Mark 1, 22 to 27. And you, you, we don't have time to go through every one of them. You guys know me. You know I'd want to do all of them. So you're going to have to, on your own time, go look at some of these and really ask Holy Spirit to give you revelation and to show you. And, you know, we have young people joining us. I want you guys to really listen. I, I get every, anything out of your ears that has to do with anything else, you know, just really pay attention because you are a generation that are going to have to help your friends. You're going to have to first get free yourself. The spirit of suicide, depression, um, and perversion is so strong coming against our youth. And so we want them to know how to get free, but we also know all the parents need to really take the time to repent and renounce all that stuff so you have authority to pray for our young people. But I'm excited about the young people joining us because you will be so in love with Jesus when you start to cast out demons for real and you see people healed and saved and set free and not having to go to years of counseling and psychiatrists and all the other stuff. My gosh, it just, it just makes you so excited to know God, to know how real he is. And the Bible says when you cast out a demon for real, I know people think they've done it, but when you really do it, you know it and you see the result of it and you watch what happens in that person's countenance and you see the fruit in their life. So when you really cast out a demon, the Bible says, then the kingdom of heaven has come to you. So we have a lot of people thinking they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, but they've never even cast out a demon. And so it's time to get back into the real word of God and not entertainment Christianity, but where we really do this thing, right? That's why you guys are here. All right. Um, so what did I say? 
Mark 1, 27. They were completely amazed at his teaching because he was teaching them as one having God-given authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What business do you have with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And one thing that's kind of cool with this is a lot of people didn't realize that Jesus looked the same uh, in heaven as he did here, but here he had flesh. So like we're going to get our glorified bodies, but people will recognize us. And Jesus gave up his glorified body and had uh, his human body, but the demons recognized him, didn't they? Like they knew that was Jesus and there's nobody, Holy Spirit's not telling them that. So I just want to say that to say Jesus Christ is the word of God and he's everything that God has always been. He's always been. He's not a, he's not a being that, that's a man. He is God who became flesh and dwelt among us. And we need to understand who he is to recognize that he came and paid the price so that we could have Christ in us, the hope of glory. The, the key about being a Christian, the key about deliverance, the key about all of this is God inside of us. He's not asking you to do this. He's asking you to recognize you can't do this and begin to yield to him doing this. And it's, a, it's very um, intimidating at first, and it's always a little bit. Um, never lose your fear of the Lord and never start to take for granted that you can just do this. You cannot do anything um, without God. Your human flesh is no power against the enemy. But that's okay. You're born again. And, and if you're not, listen to the teaching on that. You're born again. So God lives in you. So you can do all things through Christ, right? All right. So he, so the Lord's preaching. He's doing this awesome message. Everybody's recognizing he has this power of authority. Everybody's wondering, where did this Jesus come from? And then there's this man with an unclean spirit, a foul spirit, and he's screaming out, what business do you have with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. That's amazing. First of all, that devil knew, uh-oh, he's here. This is not good news for demons. Can I tell you something? When you walk into a place, they ought to see Christ in you, and they ought to be as afraid as they were when Jesus walked in that place to go, oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Here they come. Can you understand how much the devil hates what we're doing tonight and how he'd much rather us be listening to a Christian concert? Satan's not afraid of our socialism, our socialism, our socializing. He is petrified of us really knowing who we are in Christ. Petrified. I kind of enjoy that. I know the devil's afraid of me. He used to not be. He attacked me. Terror. He tried to destroy me. But now he's, he's under my feet, you guys. And that's where you need to know he's going to be in your lives if he's not already there, right? Because that's what Jesus paid for. All right. So Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. So Jesus doesn't want demons revealing to people who he is. And he told him to be quiet. He's also not having a big conversation with him. And he just rebuked him. Rebuked me. Come out. 
All right? So get that. This may not be in the book, but part of what you're going to learn to do is tell the devil to be quiet. Some of you, as we're doing self-deliverance, you're learning self-deliverance, you need to tell the devil to be quiet who's talking in your head. And you need to rebuke him. In the name of Jesus, shut up, Satan. Ho! Satan cannot read your thoughts. Demons cannot read your thoughts. The only way they know what you're saying is because you say it. And I don't recommend saying it out loud in a crowded place. Although now you've kind of got it made. Just put one of those um, Bluetooth things in your ears and you can do anything out loud. I mean, you can walk around town rebuking everything and nobody think you're talking to yourself because they'll see, you know, just point to that. You know, I've got this. Anyway. But seriously, devils can't read your mind and you have to follow what Jesus is doing here. Tell them to shut up in Jesus' name and rebuke them. Come out now. You want that to be your first response. You don't want your response to be, well, maybe it's right what they're saying, and maybe I can't do this, and maybe this, and maybe that. Can I tell you something? When you get born again and Holy Spirit comes in, Satan no longer has any rights or authority to talk to you about anything. He's not in charge of if you're still in sin. He's not in charge of anything. Why? Because you're in a new kingdom. You've been transformed into the kingdom of light. So quit entertaining thoughts of the enemy. He says, cast down those imaginations, right? Quit entertaining thoughts of the enemy. And mainly don't call the thoughts of the enemy God. And that's another whole teaching. We've got teaching to help you with that. All right. And here we go. The unclean spirit threw the man into convulsions and screeching with a loud voice, it came out of him. So when people say, well, no demons can manifest here because we're so full of God. Well, Jesus was God and the demon manifests there to the point of causing a man to go into convulsions and fall down like dead. So can we quit listening to itchy ear bunch of stuff? So if somebody gets whammed, by the Holy Spirit, they may the devils may manifest, okay? They don't always have to, and sometimes God will really tell them they can't, and they don't. But it's biblical that when that kind of power God hits, those demons might throw a little fit, right? All right. The people were all amazed debated and questioned each one saying what is this a new teaching with authority he commands even the unclean demons and they obey him immediately the news about him spread so this is going to happen in america and if those who are listening from other nations really grab onto this this is going to happen through nations in a major way not to show a demonstration to embarrass people or humiliate people but to set people free Okay, I also wanted to look at Mark 9, 17 to 27. So he says, one of, the, one of the crowd replied to the Lord, Teacher, I brought you my son possessed with the spirit which makes him unable to speak. And whenever it seizes him to do him harm, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes stiff. I told your disciples to drive it out, and they could not do it. Okay, so we're kind of talking about um, what some people call epilepsy. We're also talking about convulsions. We're talking about um, this kid has a spirit in him 
that he's not able to speak, that it can seize him. It throws him. Now, Jesus never says, oh, it can't be a spirit. So the first thing we have to do in the modern church is to get back to being biblical. Not only can it be a spirit, it probably is a spirit. And as long as we keep treating the spirit as if it's flesh, all we're doing is helping people learn to cope and live with a demonic spirit. So you ought to be excited that it's not your bad personality. That you really don't have an outrageous anger issue. You actually got a demon that needs to be cast out. It's truly a basic truth in the kingdom of God. All right? And so it goes on. It says, whenever it seizes him and tends to him harm, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth. He grins his, grinds his teeth and becomes stiff. I told your disciples to drive it out and they could not do it. Now the Lord looks at his disciples and he says, oh, unbelieving, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. All right. How many know that Jesus would be saying this to us right now overall as a church? You need to stop a minute and say, is this what the Lord would say to you? Yes. If there's ever any demonic activity going on around you in your family, in your own life, and you're not doing anything about it in the name of Jesus, this is the rebuke he would say to you. Everybody say, ouch. Get it serious. He is rebuking you if you don't walk in bringing deliverance to people. It's not a cute thing. It's a real thing. The Lord's sitting there watching all these demonized people, all these demonized kids, all the kids around you, kids you even want to hang out with some of you. He's watching all this demonic activity going on in the church. He's watching all of this stuff. And, and he knows we should be casting this out, self-deliverance and of others. And when we act like we can't do it or it doesn't need to be done, Jesus says, where is your faith? I don't want to stand before the Lord one day and have him say, where was your faith? Why did you tolerate demons around you? Why did you tolerate them in your family? Why did you tolerate them in your personality? Why didn't you do the works of the kingdom? Well, guess what? And I'm not boasting. I'm telling you, I've given this whole thing to God. And we do this. And it's not because we're some scary little church on the backside of town. And it's because we are led by Holy Spirit. Just for those watching, I'm college educated. I have double degree. I don't, I don't use, I mean, I use, what. who cares? But people like to think, oh, that's just somebody hostess. No, I, I'm very knowledgeable about the word of God. I can preach all kinds of things. I love to worship. Go look at all this stuff on the mentorship page. But that doesn't excuse me from not casting out demons. Okay, so I'm glad you guys are all here because look around, look at this army that God is raising up to help people get free in your homes, in your communities, wherever he shows you to do it. Don't go out and try to just do this with random strangers. Holy Spirit will make it really clear when he wants to flow in this. All right, all right. 
They brought the boy to the Lord. When the demonic spirit saw the Lord, he immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. Oh, here we see this again. And falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. Demons do not like to come out of people. So sometimes they'll manifest. Sometimes they'll try to scare you. So you'll be afraid and back off. Jesus asked his father, okay, here's another thing. You can actually talk to the people who are either getting deliverance or the people who brought them for deliverance. You can actually have a conversation in the middle of doing deliverance while the devil is even acting crazy in somebody, right? So don't get all formula about this. Don't get all fancy about this. Just be real. Just you're a human being with God in you, your new creation in Christ. How cool is that? And you can have a conversation while you are spiritual enough to cast out a demon. And it's okay to ask somebody something. It's actually more wise than to expect them to have the supernatural gift of the word of knowledge, which is knowing things you couldn't know, and kind of you know, playing a game like they have to know what happened first. I can't know if I mentioned to somebody what happened to them first unless God shows me. But I'm not going to not minister to them when I could ask them, right? Right? So we got to get this out of the game playing thing and get this into a place where we live this. So you can talk to your children. You can talk to your friend, whoever you're, you know, talk to God yourself, talk with somebody. And the Lord said, how long has this been happening to him? How many know Jesus could know how long that was happening to him? Because he, he was the mind of Christ. So for one thing, he's demonstrating to us it's okay to ask questions and, and, and talk to people while you're doing this, okay? And the father answered, since childhood, the demon has often thrown them both into the fire and into the water, intending to kill him. Okay, I just want to say this. The suicide spirit that's been released in our nation it may not necessarily throw someone into water or fire, but how many have heard of people jumping off of bridges? Actually, somebody I talked to recently just had someone in their family jump off the James River Bridge and drown. And someone actually here took them my book. But how many know nowadays they'll have them take pills or grab a gun? They didn't have guns back then. And they probably didn't have a medicine cabinet with pills. So this devil gave this son a spirit of suicide. And we had better get really serious about breaking the power of suicide off of our friends and off of ourselves. I'm just going to say this. Don't ever entertain suicide. Don't talk about suicide. If you're really struggling with it, know this. There is a devil involved. Amen. Right? Right? So what do we do? You're going to cast it out of yourself. You're not going to have conversations with it. You're going to cast it out of yourself. You can, it's, you, yes, you can go for help. Yes, you can talk to somebody, right? That's fine. But I want you to know you have the power to cast it out of yourself. You have the power to cast it out of your friends. You have the power to cast it out. How many know we better start walking in that power and quit spending years and years of counseling 
while people's lives are being ruined. So right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, anybody with the spirit of suicide in this place, I command that spirit out of them right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, the same for those who are watching and those who will be watching. We command it to go to the pit right now in Jesus' name to a dry place, and it cannot come back in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. Amen. Ho! See, you can do that. You just have to believe. You have to get in the authority. You have to hang out with God and know you have authority to do that. We'll have no idea till we get to heaven how many people are going to watch this and God set free from suicide. So parents, take authority. Just make sure there's nothing in your mind about cutting. I'm not going to go. I don't have time. Go on the mentorship page and find other things we've taught on how that spirit gets in and healing those places. You never open up. Even as a kid, you can't say something stupid like, I just wish I'd die because you're mad at your mom for giving your little brother attention and not you. The minute Satan can push you to do that, he goes, did you hear that? So let's all, I know I'm not going along the book. Y'all read the book later. Okay. Let's all break the power of suicidal thoughts coming at us, and then go pass down to generations. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to live and not die and glorify you. Thank you for this gift called life. And I break the power and cancel the assignments whenever I mentioned suicide, thought suicide, thought it would teach somebody a lesson, Used it to manipulate. Felt sorry for myself. God, I ask you to forgive me. And I take back the authority I gave to the devil to determine the days of my life and the way I would die. I cancel it now. And I break the power of all those things that came out of my mouth was even entertained in my thoughts, even before I knew you, Lord. I break the power of being entertained and watching things to do with suicide or murder. I break the power of those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. And we send all those things to the pit in Jesus' name. We ask that all these demons get the punishment of Satan on judgment day. How can you do that? Because the Bible says, I can ask anything believing without doubt, and it'll be done for me by my Father in heaven. So y'all can believe what you want, but wait till my turn comes up, and I'm standing there, and all these little demons are all around, all scared on judgment day, because they know they're about to get the punishment of Satan. Well, how do you know God will do it? Because God loves us. He wants us to know who we are in Christ. He wants us to take authority, Okay. All the parents here, all the parents watching, if you have, uh, do this. It's time to get a little bold. It's time to get a little bold. Don't do it in a condescending way. Don't do it in a more spiritual than thou art way. Just do it because of who Christ is in you. And repent of any time you've entertained all that stuff. All right. Um, listen to this. The demon has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water, intending to kill him. Okay, can I say this? 
even when someone starts off playing with the idea of murder and or the idea of um, dying and, and they start to feel sorry for themselves and they let the enemy pull them down, even if they've had a horrific life, okay? You are letting the devil, he has the intention to kill you. You may just have the intention to get some attention. You may just have the intention to just say what your friends are saying or whatever. It doesn't matter. Satan intends to kill you. So we need to break off his authority to kill anyone, right? And you need to get power in your prayers. And you need to repent ever for giving him that kind of um, power in your life. I believe a lot of people who die from sicknesses and disease later on at some point in their life opened up and let, gave Satan permission to decide how they would die and when they would die. How many know I don't want to do that? So break the power of that. Want to do that? Say, Lord Jesus, you are the author and finisher of my faith. You're in charge of my life. And I cancel and break the power of any place that I gave that to the enemy. I now take it back and I put it in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I repent for giving that kind of power to the enemy. Life and death are in my tongue, and I cancel every bit of death that I've spoken out of my tongue. Ho! And I thank you, God, for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo! Okay. Um, we may not get into the book much, but we're having fun. All right. It goes on. The demon has up. Okay. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus says to him, you say to me, if you can. Okay, so one reason we're doing this for these five weeks, we've got to get rid of your thinking that Jesus can't or that he won't or he won't use you to do it. Okay, we've got to get rid of that lie. We've got to get rid of that wrong thinking. We've got to recognize that a brand new teeny little itsy bits of Holy Spirit in you has more authority and power than the biggest demon in hell. And it doesn't matter how old or young you are. You have this authority, but you had better start walking in it and not playing with it. And quit watching television and listening to songs where they play around with this stuff because that just feeds that lie in you. All right. And Jesus says, all things are possible for the one who believes and trusts in me. So, we have to build our faith. We have to start hanging out with the Lord. We have to be around people who believe. We have to walk where we trust. And quit buying the lies. It's not for you. He died for you. He didn't just die for me. He died for you. He didn't just send the Holy Spirit into me and other people who walk in his authority and power. He sent the Holy Spirit into you. Into who? Into you. It's time to recognize that. And with this, but you can't hear him. Well, if you can hear the devil telling you you can't hear him, tell the devil to shut up in Jesus' name so God can talk to you. Right? All right. Immediately, the father of the boy cried out, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Help me overcome. All right. That is a legit prayer. That's a, that's a legit prayer because this is telling us 
that if you don't believe, Satan's not budging. But you can ask God to help your unbelief, right? You need to really write some of this stuff down. Kids, young people, you can ask God to help your unbelief. Ask him, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. And he will. He likes doing that. He's amazing. He will build your faith. You will see him in things. He will show himself to you. It'll be amazing what he'll do. But you have to ask. So remember that for real. Instead of a pity party and, and looking at everybody else and blaming everything, just say, God, would you help my unbelief? Now, he may bring you to a meeting like this. He may have me. I know the Lord's woke me up in the middle of the night and had me send people text messages with scripture to help their unbelief. Wouldn't it be nice if we all got so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that he would wake us up and say, this person needs to hear this word. Could you send this to them? Wouldn't it be awesome if we became the body of Christ? Now, you need to be holy and you need to deal with counterfeit stuff because that's not going to help if you send a counterfeit thing to somebody. And I really encourage you to get free from fake spirituality and things from the past because it's all over the body of Christ today. Because it's easy for the enemy to say, oh, send this scripture and you think you're all spiritual. Well, Make sure it's the Holy Spirit and know the fruit in your life. You really have to look at the fruit in your life, not just what you say. What has gone on in your family? What is going on in your family? What does it really look like? What's happened to you? What's happened in the past? Where did you overcome? Where did you seem like you were spiritual? Deal with all those things. All right? Deal with all those things. You'll love being free. You'll love being able to pour out into other people's lives the way you desire to, the way you want to, the way he empowered you to do. All right. After this, immediately the boy, so quickly the man recognized, I really don't have that kind of faith. I really don't have that kind of belief. Lord, help me. And then when Jesus saw the crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. Now, I want you to see the sensitivity of Jesus here. Jesus didn't want to embarrass this kid. So when the Lord recognized, as he was having the conversation with this father, that all of a sudden now everybody's curious and gathering around, and he, said, he immediately took action. Why? Because he didn't want this to draw the crowds. And God has to get rid of selfish ambition in all of our hearts, especially those in ministry, because everybody puts the cameras right on people and they stick it right on the, the video as fast as they can. God's not trying to embarrass, humiliate, or puff anybody else up with deliverance ministry. Bless you. Right? And we got, we've all got to get free from it. I've got to get free from it. I've gotten pretty free from it, but I used to not be free from it. But here's Jesus in, in this one little example showing us, don't do this to draw crowds. Do this because you want that person free. Do this because they're asking Jesus Christ to help them get free. You know, sometimes demons actually come out through sneezing, and I believe it's happening tonight in Jesus' name. Yay. So instead of saying, bless you when somebody sneezed tonight, Say, go God, yay God, hurrah God, woohoo God. All right. 
And I'm not saying that, I'm saying that seriously, because I'm excited, because the enemy's going to hate being in this atmosphere and people he's hurting and tormenting. All right. So he commanded the deaf and mute spirit to come out. He says, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Now, Holy Spirit had to give him the authority to say, never enter him again. And I don't think we're going to get in it in this teaching because I can already tell we haven't even gotten past paragraph one in the book. But there are spiritual laws that allow the enemy to come back in. So the Lord knew in advance that he was not going to be able to come back in, that this person was going to make sure that he dealt with whatever he had to deal with so Satan couldn't get back in, right? Um, there's a spiritual law that enemies allowed to go out, the demons go out, and they can, and after a season, they can come back to see if they're still welcomed in that person's body. If that person has not torn down the lies, if that person has not destroyed what the enemy was up to, then that enemy can, then that spirit can come back seven times worse. And that's a spiritual law. So Jesus is recognizing in this boy's future that that's not going to happen. Because wouldn't it be nice just to pray that every time? But then there wouldn't have been a spiritual law giving the enemy permission to come back in if that person doesn't get their, their house. Um, there's, they're supposed to be cleaned up. You could see this different ways, cleaned up, but filled with the Holy Spirit. I say tear down every single work that the enemy's done. Plunder that house. Get rid of that strong man that has been put in that person a lot of times through generational curses. So when the devil comes back, he won't even recognize where the door is. Anyway, I say that because somebody would read that one scripture and not know the rest of the scriptures and think, every time I pray, I'm going to say, enter him no more. Let me tell you, you can say it when God tells you to say it. When you really start operating this, God just speaks right through you. That's the authority. God speaks right through you. But you have to start stepping out in faith, you know, when you just begin. And then over time, as your relationship with the Lord matures, you're going to feel that authority. You're going to know that authority. Why? Because God's done such a work in you. All right? After screaming out and throwing him into a terrible convulsion, here it goes again, it came out. It says, the boy looks so much like a corpse that many of the spectators said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him, and he stood up. Okay, and then we'll just go on with this because this is good teaching. And Jesus took him by the hand and raised him, and he stood up. When he had gone indoors, when the Lord went indoors, his disciples began asking him privately, why were we unable to drive it out? So I, I want you to get this. If you know that... Let's say a child you have authority over in your own life, in your marriage, uh, anywhere where you should be having authority, and you can't drive it out. This is what you do. You go ask Jesus, why? Why could I not drive that out? Why, why could I not help my child get free from that? Why could I not move in this situation? Why? And he's going to show you what the enemy has placed in you that has caused you not to have the faith to do that. Because remember, he said they come out except if there's unbelief and doubt, right? And the man says, well, help my unbelief and doubt. So, so this is the, now the disciples, now these are ministers saying, well, wait a minute, why couldn't we do it? Okay. Um, and the Lord goes on, this kind of unclean spirit cannot come out by anything but prayer to the Father, by fasting and prayer. In other words, you have to hear what God is saying 
The Father has to show you. Let me look at, let me see what another, let me try another translation on that. Um, so in the Passion, it says, the Lord answered, this type of powerful spirit can only be cast out by fasting and prayer. All right. And I won't get into all of it, but we have teaching on it. It's called, you have to go after the strong man. You plunder his house. You unravel everything that has given him power. You take authority over that. And then when you get to that strong man and get him out, you have deliverance. And I think that's talked about later in the book. But isn't it amazing? You just have to look at one passage of scripture of Jesus doing this. And all these spiritual laws are there. All this understanding is there. And I encourage you, as you read this book, go and read the scriptures they talk about. It's more important what Jesus says than how we all interpret it, right? So let Holy Spirit show you. All right. Um, okay, so so if it doesn't come out after you pray and you, you're living a life serving God or loving God, you're not living in blatant sin and... Um, and you really seriously went in to try to cast something out and it didn't happen, ask the Lord why. And he may say, you need to pray and fast. In other words, you need to go deeper in your relationship with God to find out why. That's what he's saying. He goes, I'm not going to tell you why. I believe the reason he wouldn't tell them why is because then we all have the reason this must be why. And so the truth is we have to go and ask the Father, Lord, show me why this doesn't work. Not just like, eh, why? And that's for ministers because these are ministers, right? These are his people casting out demons from people who come in, total strangers. He, and the Father didn't have belief. So in this one scripture, you see why they had tried and tried and tried to set this uh, young man free, and it didn't work until the the power of Jesus Christ, but who, who's walking with no unbelief, right? Jesus knows who he is. And he also knows he hangs out with the Father all the time. He, he, he hears the Father instantly, that, and he always lives a life spending time with God. And so those two things are already active in the Lord Jesus Christ's life. And you guys, they can be active in our lives. So you can be ready in and out of season, and you will really be able to do this. Unless there's a spiritual law, why not? Because it says, if they bless me, and I'm not saying to pray for that, there's all these other spiritual laws. But let's start stepping out and believing that God wants you to know how easy this is, okay? And then you'll start getting more and more excited about helping people with this. All right. I encourage you to read all the, the book. We're not going to have time with this, um, all of this. Go to um, down a couple... Um, on page nine now, the Christian should always consider indwelling demons as unnecessary and undesirable trespassers. Never think it's okay because you think you can handle it. You think meds have handled it. You think good counseling has handled it. You think, well, now it's peaceful at our house. But guys, get some compassion. No one should be living with a demon inside of them. Your children shouldn't be living with a demon inside of them. Your spouse shouldn't be living. You shouldn't be living with a demon inside. Jesus came to undo the works of darkness. We've got to quit thinking, well, if it's not, if it's not the most horrible thing I've learned, it's not good to learn with, to live with a disease. It's not good to learn how to live with torment. It's not good to learn. God doesn't want you to learn how to live with a trespasser. It's, I think he gives an example in here, but I won't get into that, but his example was probably good. But it's like, if someone comes barging in your house and they go into your guest room 
and they're not bothering you too much, but they just take over your guest room and sometimes they're noisy and sometimes you don't just let them stay there, hopefully, unless you've really got issues with codependency. You go in there and say, wait a minute, this is my house. Get out. I have authority here. Get out of here. And if they mouth off and give you a hard time, you go and get the police. You go and get, you go and get the power to back up what you're saying. You never just decide, well, you know what? I don't need that room that much. Or, you know, we can handle this. It's okay for them to be on meds the rest of their life. It's okay for this to happen. You need to get serious about how horrific it is for a demon to have any authority in the life or in the household of a Christian. Get to a place where, you know, put, put your, put your, roll your sleeves up and realize, mm, I'm winning this one. And so that, if the enemy knows, like, well, if we only go this far, they'll let us stay. Why would you let him go that far? When God says, all you have to do is cast it out. That's what God says, all you have to do is cast it out. But I can't. Well, that's because of unbelief. Therefore, you need to pray and fast and find out, why don't I believe this? Get every, rid of everything in the way. All right. Is this helping? All right. He goes on. Um, it says uh, in that same scripture, I can't read it all. It's too much. Um, okay. Jesus has purchased the believer by his own blood. He's made him a steward over his own life. The devil has no legal right to him. However, it is up to him or to us to defend to defend. Um, our rights. No demon can remain within the Christian when a Christian seriously desires him to go. I, I want you to become people who seriously desire him to go quick. It's not okay that drugs can help. It's not okay that counselors can teach you how to live with it. It's not okay. He wants you to hate it and make it go. And you're going to do self-deliverance first, right? So see the areas where you need to get something out. Trying to, quote, practice this on your kids and your spouse and your friends while you're still kind of got some demon stuff going on inside is not good advice. You get free first. You get free first. Leave everybody else alone unless God really shows you because it's real easy to act all spiritual and think you're doing something for everyone else when you're the one with the issue. Maybe your issue isn't as big as their issue, but God doesn't sit there and try to decide what issue is bigger. He's like, do self-deliverance before you start doing deliverance on other people. So this whole five weeks is for you to do this on you. So you need to get your notebooks and you need to write, where would I need some deliverance? And if you think nowhere, then start there. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. No demon can remain when the Christian seriously desires him to go. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Demons consider the body of a person they indwell to be their house. And this is Matthew 12, 43, 44. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest. When he finds none, then he says, I will return into my house from where I came out. 
So know this, until you get really serious about not letting that back in. So if you had an issue with unclean stuff and that devil wants to get back in, he's going to work really hard from even the outside to get you to look at pornography, to get you to do something unclean in a relationship. He's going to work really hard for you to put a welcome mat out for him to come back in. It's called temptation. We have teaching to help you how to overcome temptation because that enemy thinks, oh, that's my house. I can still find it. I still know there's something going on here. I am going to work at getting back in. All right. That's how it works. He goes on. It's not uncommon for demons to speak through a person who, this is page 10. It's not uncommon for demons to speak through a person who is being delivered. By the way, anyone watching this or listening to this on our mentorship page or our website, we are using the book Pigs in the Parlor. Um, it's a handbook for deliverance. It's an older book. Um, it's by Frank Hammond. It's awesome. You can get it on um, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it in some older bookstores. And we're giving them all uh, credit for this because this is what we're using because he put it together so well. Okay. We have lots of other teaching here on the mentorship page on our website on deliverance. I've been, we've been doing this for years. We have hours and hours of teaching. Please watch and look at some of those too. All right. He says, it's not uncommon for demons to speak through a person who is being delivered. I've often heard evil spirits declare, this is my house. They're referring to the person's body or seeking to deceive the person and the deliverance minister into thinking that they have a right to that body. No demon can back up that claim. All demons are liars and deceivers. Demons have no titles to bodies redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm not going to share it tonight because I really don't have time. But when I tell you next week at the beginning, when I do the, the adventure in God section before we do this, I will tell you about the first time I heard a demon speak through somebody and tell me they owned them. I have since then seen demons beg the person to let them stay. I've seen demons try to strangle people who they knew they had to leave. They would rather kill that person. They'd have to leave then too, but they were going to try to punish that person. And so we're going to be sharing some of this at the very beginning. Is that cool with everybody? And, and I'm not doing that to scare you. I'm doing, this is real. I am kind of over people saying they've cast out demons and they've never cast out a demon. They've never heard a demon speak. They've never seen somebody fall down and foam at the mouth and do all this stuff. They've never, they're like, they've, they've said the words. I've seen, I've seen people who've had good jobs and everything. When we go to cast out a demon, I see them sliver. I've seen them slivered like a snake down an aisle. I've seen them take and have the person bang their head into the wall. These are people that you'd be shocked that that demon was in them like that. And I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. That's why I'm not using names. Not that, who cares? God sets us free. Praise God. Amen. But this stuff is real. So I don't even want to hear that you've cast out a demon unless there's been some real proof that that person's been set free and there were um, probably manifestations to show that you did it. Now you could... You could take out small spirits, but if you're really going after a strong man, you're going to know that you did it, okay? So when I give the talk at the beginning of next week, I'll talk more about what the demons have said um, when they talk. He talks about that here some. All right, but we don't have time for all that, so let's see. Now let's go down to uh, page 11, and it gets down where Jesus cleansed the temple. So it says, they have no more place in us than a cattle, birds, and money changers had in earthly temples. We can act in the same authority with Jesus, in which Jesus cleansed the temple 
and we can rid ourselves of defiling evil spirits. Jesus did not make pretty speeches or debate with those who defiled the temple. He drove them out. And so he's showing us, we, we are the temple. Okay, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost, right? We are the temple. We are the temple of God. He, he exchanged the old way of people going to a building called a temple to worship him. And he made us his temple. Now, I want us to get this. If your children are born again, for real, if you young people are born again, God has a claim on you as his temple. You are where he wants to hang out. You are where he wants to dwell. And the same way Jesus went into the temple in the old covenant and tore out greed and tore out lies and tore out money changers, he was so angry, righteous indignation, that these demons were in the house of God. Can I tell you, God is that angry that there's demons in Christians. He gets that upset when your kids are watching garbage on TV and getting demons in them. He's that upset when you're watching pornography and opening the door to demons come flooding in, and yet you say you're the temple of God. There's a scripture about turning someone over who's saved, but who's gotten into perversion, who's gotten into unclean stuff, and there's actually a scripture so desperate, and the Lord had me use this this week, but his authority came through me and said, turn them over to Satan that their soul might get saved. That is the last effort of saving a believer who's walked into garbage again, who's into pure darkness again, and they have to be turned over to Satan that there might be a chance that their soul gets saved. Can I just make a recommendation? Cleanse the temple. Don't have to be turned over to Satan to hopefully get into heaven one day. But let me say this, when the Lord puts that on your heart to do, which he did, I wasn't even thinking, it just came out of my mouth. But when I went and looked at the scriptures, and when I looked at the, and somebody else was, the power of God was all over it. And then when the Lord started showing me why, and that this was the only way that this person now could even possibly get saved, come back to his salvation. What does that mean? That means God's like, devil, everything you own in him, go get it. And hopefully in the midst of losing all of that, he'll cry out to Jesus Christ and get right with God. And more than likely, it'll be on a deathbed. So is this serious stuff? How many knows the church is about to move into apostolic power and some serious stuff? How many know you don't want to turn somebody over to Satan and it's not God having you do that because you just opened the door to be a part of destroying somebody's flesh, but also you opened the door for the devil to come and destroy you and possibly your family. How many have like this reverence fear of the Lord? How many realize what God is about to do and restore to the church is not child's play and you better get healed, free and delivered and not try to walk in this with something fake. At the same time, we're called to do this. And I was praying about it. I said, Lord, that's so powerful. That's so, I would never want to do that unless I know it's you. And he said, that's why I can trust you with that. He said, but daughter, that's the only way for this person to get saved. And look at the scriptures. What this person is doing and has done is worse than what was rebuked in the scriptures for that. It's love that does that. Some of you are so codependent that you won't even... Speak up to your kids who are on their way to hell. 
when you could possibly help them. If it gets all the way down to the wire, they'll be turned over to Satan. If there's any mercy, so that they might get saved. Don't anyone pray that on your own, right? But when Holy Spirit gets to the place to know this person's about to go to hell and he speaks through you with an authority that he has given you and he can trust you. This isn't baby. This is meat, people. This isn't baby food. Quit playing in sin. People watching, quit playing in sin. But know how faithful God is. How faithful is God? How amazing it's going to be when we walk in apostolic authority and power and God himself can flow through us with the heart of God and save people from going to hell that some of you honestly would cuddle all the way as you watch them fall into the flames because you won't stand up and quit being codependent and helping people go to hell. Helping them have a place to live while they're living in sin. Having them have food and money while they're partying and doing drugs. Some of you need to read the book, Tough Love. Anyway, that's another whole teaching, I'm sure, somewhere on the mentorship. All right. Go on. As unreasonable as it may seem, not when I've been doing this this long, some Christians are not ready to get rid of indwelling demons, as one might assume. Some are embarrassed to admit that they need deliverance. The embarrassment should never result from having them, but in failure to act promptly promptly in getting rid of them. Others have walked in agreement with certain spirits for so long they do not want to change. Do not walk in agreement with the spirit. Do not walk in agreement by saying, well, I can handle it. You just walked in agreement. Do not walk in agreement by having something fake that's spiritual to hide from what's really going on. Do not walk in agreement with the devil, with spirits, all right? Not all Christians really want to live in purity. You need to have a heart check. Lord, do I really want to live in purity? Am I willing to cast this demon out knowing that I won't be able to have this demonic pleasure anymore, that I won't be able to eat everything I want like the spirit of gluttony and not care what it's doing to my health? That I'll be able to just live my appetites and do whatever I want? We're supposed to die to the flesh. We're supposed to die to the flesh. We're supposed to die daily to the flesh. We're supposed to hate what God hates. It doesn't mean I can look at what your flesh issue is and that not be mine so I can criticize you. It means I have to see what are my flesh issues and what is he asking me to die to, right? All right. He goes on, such are those who have made friends with pigs. But even the prodigal son came to himself while among the swine and decided that he would separate himself and return to his father. Let us pray that all God's children who cohabit with spiritual swine will see that, that there is a better life. That's a very good scripture for some of you to pray. If your kids are not living a godly life, pray that while they're hanging out with spiritual swine, that they'll begin to recognize there's a better life. Pray they start to hate their sin. 
Pray they hate their lifestyle. Pray they hate all the stuff going on around them. And we need to pray this big time. All you kids, you need to pray this for your friends who think that bisexual is cool or think that homosexual is great or that trans is the thing. You need to begin to pray, God, help them hate. Help them hate this life of living like a demon. Connect it with demons and let them see there's something better. And don't ever be ashamed that what you have in God is better. Don't ever be ashamed of the gospel. Don't ever be ashamed of God's idea of marriage. Don't ever be ashamed. You need to really rise up and be bold and say, well, you know what? I don't want to go through all that mess. I don't want to be, um, go, you know, have to go through all that. I'm thankful for Jesus Christ. Be light. Be light in darkness. Do the self-deliverance so you can really be that light. He starts in chapter two, demons are spiritual enemies, and it is the responsibility of every Christian to deal with them directly in spiritual warfare. Okay. You are called to do that. God has empowered you to do that. God expects you to do that. God wants you to do that. God is not telling you just to go to somebody else who does that. He wants you doing that. Won't that be fun? It's going to be fun to watch everybody get free, to watch young people know how to get free and pray for their friends. It's going to be fun for those who will deal with some of their stuff and let God do this thing. All right. He goes on, Ephesians 6, 10 to 12. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you're able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness in the world, spiritual wickedness in high places. For though we, and then that's Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. We do have teaching, entire teaching I'm putting on the armor here somewhere on the mentorship page. If you're watching us at beautyfreshes.org, you can join our mentorship page for almost nothing. If you're international, it's absolutely free. And um, you can just write in armor of God, it'll come up and we're even working on improving it, but there's lots and lots of teaching on there. Um, it goes on 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God and pulling down strongholds. Let me say this. Counseling that is not using the word of God and the authority of God and the power of God is carnal. It cannot pull down a stronghold. We have got to quit intellectually trying to do what we can only do by the power of God. He wants you to do that. He, he could give you a really good gift package where you will be awesome as a counselor that he pours through, that you'll be awesome as someone who knows to do deliverance. He does it through us and he gives us knowledge and teaching and things we read, but we've got to recognize he's got to do this. He's got to come through this and bring deliverance to my children. He's got to come through me and bring healing. He's got to come through and do this thing. And I'm, I'm going to do the warfare. And Friday nights, we do warfare here in a powerful way. We're getting ready to start something really powerful. To, I, I believe with all my heart, we are going to see the whole Newport News area completely set free from the Baal and, and Ishtar um, and Moab spirit. I believe that ho, with all my mind. It's going to be amazing to watch God bring down a completely, for years and years since it came into being, a community that has been all about abortion, all about perversion, all about... Um, being against the church, all about Freemasonry, all about garbage. And we're living in that community and we are going to watch the enemies come down. 
She'll come on Friday night for teaching on spiritual warfare and be a part of that. And I'm inviting people from all different communities. We're going to do this. I'm not just pretending. I know we're going to do this. And I'm excited about doing this. So I encourage you to come and be a part of that. And I know, well, gosh, I already come to church one night a week. Oh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do if we don't win? It's time to get serious about winning our, our, our city and then winning our state. We, if we win these other cities, then we'll have the state easy. And then guess what? We can go to any place that is okay with abortion, okay with perversion, okay with an agenda that doesn't even know a boy from a girl. We can go to any of those places and teach them how to win their city. And you guys, young people, you can win your schools. You can win your friends. You can get together and actually pray. And just as young as you are, and you can have fun, you can use flags, you can do cartwheels, you can do some dances, you can do whatever. But led by Holy Spirit, you can actually win your schools. You can actually get together and say, hey, let's pray for this school, this school, and this school, and let's do this God's way. So I encourage parents, bring the kids on Friday nights and let them start doing the stuff. For real. If we're going to keep teaching them, treating them like they're little kids and they shouldn't be interested while their friends are all wanting to kill themselves and doing drugs and having perverted sex and everything else, and we just sit back, oh, let them stay on their little iPhones and do this and that. No, come and be warriors, you guys. Y'all are going to have so much fun. I wish I had known all this when I was your age. All right. He talks about wrestling because you get really close quarters and fighting um, when you go out, when the darkness, what does that mean? How many know when you really start fighting the enemy, he tries to get in your thoughts, he tries to get in your face, he tries to attack your body, he tries to attack your finances, okay? That's why it's called we struggle, all right? But know this, we overcome, we win, we overcome. And we overcome because in that struggle, some of you give up in your struggles, oh, I just, don't, you're, win, just win. Okay, you're going to be struggling. It's in there. You struggle with demons. Wouldn't that be a good? Um, I don't struggle for them to win. I People say, well, you don't do demons. Well, that's because they're probably doing you. But anyway. Close quarter fighting. A personally fighting the powers of darkness. Most of us would prefer to use a giant cannon and blast away all these enemies from miles away. This is not possible. The battle is personal and close. The enemy is spiritual. The weapons are spiritual. How many have ever been in a real battle and you can really understand this? When you're in that real battle, it's up close and personal. And if you try to do it from far away, pretty soon the enemy is going to take up so much ground. Guess what? It's going to be up close and personal. So I'd say, don't let him overtake you. Jump up and start fighting. You kind of waited a little long, but fight. All right. He says, wrestling suggests pressure tactics. This tells us that Satan's tactics is to put pressure on us. He does this in the areas of our thought life, emotions, decision-making, and our physical bodies. Believers often feel pressured by the enemy in one way or another. All right. 
When one is ignorant of Satan's devices, he may turn for relief with tranquilizers, sleeping pills, psychiatrists, couches. But God's remedy for victory over demonic pressure is spiritual warfare. All right, everybody got it? You're going to do spiritual warfare. You might have a nice job, but you're going to do spiritual warfare. You might get paid to be a doctor. You might get paid to be a counselor. You might get paid for whatever. You might think selling everybody some herbal essence oils or whatever they are is going to be. There's nothing about those oils in New Covenant. I don't, you can do that. Fine. You're just, but not if you seriously think that it takes the place of spiritual warfare. Something's wrong. Okay, I'm just telling you, I never see, he, he gets out anointing oil that represents power. He doesn't say, oh, give me this oil for a headache and give me this oil for a backache and give me this. That's what you do if you don't have power. That's what you do when you take medications and things because you don't have any power. It's time to wake up and realize we can have power. We can have, I'm not in bondage if I do that. It's not about bondage. It's about I have authority and I have power. Even when you're using the other things, you ought to be using it, recognize it. I don't have the power yet for this, but God help me. I don't know how to walk in authority yet, but Lord help me. Okay? I'm not telling you to stop using the carnal things you're using when you don't know how to move in the spirit. Because those things can help you. Those things can bless you to give you more time. I'm not asking anyone. I'm telling you, you're crazy if you stop your medications before you're healed. You'll know, but you need to grow in who you are in Christ. There's so many people who think they're so strong in God, and then they take themselves off medications, and then it's a mess. But we need to recognize, I shouldn't need to be on this. I shouldn't need to be living like this. I need to, I need to get in the word. I need to hang out with God. I need to get healed and delivered. I need some self-deliverance because I want to be this powerful person of God. Right? Everybody cool? That wasn't a very loud yes. <laughs> but God's remedy for victory over demonic pressure is spiritual warfare. The Bible shows us how the Christians can put pressure upon demons and defeat them. He must then learn the practical ways in which it's done. He must throw away his ineffective fleshly weapons and take up spiritual weapons. You must understand the weapons and then employ them. And then the tactics of the enemy. And then you'll defeat the enemy. He's going to talk about these more when we get more into this. All right. Um, he goes, when we fight, we are fighting for our homes, our communities, and our nations. Can I say, this is a year, everybody goes, what's happening in 2023? Well, I don't know about for everybody else, but I don't think it's only for 2023. But here, for me personally, we are fighting for our homes, we are fighting for our community, and we are fighting for our nation. And then we're going to train other nations to fight. It's time to grow up. This is, it's exciting when it's Holy Spirit led. It's not like I got to go to church again. Right? No, it's exciting. It's exciting. I was talking to somebody on the phone about something where we 
kind of figured out we were having an attack of the enemy, but we kind of weren't taking it too serious until the Holy Spirit showed up in a big way. And then we both started praying and uh, taking authority and the Holy Spirit's moving through us and we're having signs and wonders and the whole thing. And then we're like, whoa. And it, it's like, a, it's really pretty exciting to be honest. It's kind of gets you kind of yay and God. It, it's much better than, I've never been high or anything, but if I was, I would say this would be better than that. I never did drugs, but when God's power flows through you and you get flowing with the Holy Ghost, there's nothing like it. It's awesome. And then we, the person were like, oh my gosh, I'm glad we did that. We really needed to do that. Why? Because we felt the authority of God. We felt the power of God. We recognized, well, this is really something that's been against our, our lives and against our ministry, and we broke its power. Ho! In the name of Jesus. Whoa. Whew. We are told that our warfare is against powers. That word means authorities. This word tells us that demons who are placed over various areas and territories are given authority to carry out whatever orders have been assigned. The Christian soldier need not be dismayed or discouraged to learn that those whom he faces have been given authority. For the believer, okay, listen to this. The believer has been given greater authority. He is vested with the authority of the name of Jesus. So right now, Lord, we release all of that in the name of Jesus. We release angels in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father God, that in the name of Jesus, we speak. Oh, Holy Spirit, when you looked over the chaos on the earth, you spoke and everything came into order. And we release that now. We release your angels, Lord God, to go and bring about your words being spoken into this situation to bring order. Some of you need to pray this over your homes, over your minds, over your families. Right? Isn't this powerful? Whew. So, what he wants you to know. Okay, so let me, let me give an example for the young people. Let's say you have a teacher who has the authority in the class, but that teacher is against the things of God. That teacher wants to make fun of the things of God. That teacher is part of almost uh, trying to get you picked on. What do you do? You don't have to say anything to the teacher. You go home and you pray, or you get with others, or before you walk in the room or leave to go to school that day, you take authority. So you can get your mom or your dad to pray with you, or you can get a friend to pray with you. You can call each other in the morning and say, you know what, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over that spirit operating on that teacher. How? That is against the things of God. And I bind that spirit, which means I forbid that spirit for operating when I'm around. And I canceled the assignment against my class and my classmates in Jesus' name. Just get off your social media long enough. Get off of talking on the phone long enough, unless you're going to pray, and do what you need to do before you go to school, before you go to work, before you go anywhere. If you're sending your child somewhere, parents, and you know that some of these demonic Authorities are operating, whether it's in the principal or the teachers or so, you know what I'm saying? Before they go or while they're at school, take authority in Jesus' name. Aren't you glad we wrestle against, not against flesh and blood? So you kids don't have to say anything sassy to your teachers. You don't have to be smart aleck to your bosses, okay? You don't have to do any of that. You get to go in an invisible realm and do this stuff and it works. It's so fun. It's so fun. 
because we have the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. Right? All right. So come Fridays, if we're going to go there, you guys. The Christian soldiers need not be dismayed or discouraged to learn that those whom he faces have been given authority, for the believer has been given greater authority. If I say, I have greater authority in the name of Jesus. I want you to remember his name. You don't have to say the part. I want you to remember his name, and I want you to speak it. So when you send your children to school, you just, rather they go, oh, man, I'm driving your little van, whatever, say, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for angels going with my kids today. I take authority over every uh, woke thing that's going on in that school and in that agenda. I break its hold and its power in Jesus' name, and I thank you, God, that they're going to have a great day. Now, don't be a nut and show up in front of the school dancing and doing all that and yelling out loud and embarrassing your kids. Right? You don't wrestle with people. You don't have to march in and tell the teacher, I'm not going to let you do this in this class. Just pray it. If you really have the authority, you'll be amazed at how that works. That doesn't mean you can't speak, but you better do the spiritual warfare first. And if you do the spiritual warfare first, you may not have to do anything else. This goes for counselors. This goes for lawyers. This goes for doctors. This goes for school teachers. This goes for nurses. This goes for anybody who has to go out in the world and you have taken authority before you walk out of that house. And you have to do everything in faith or it doesn't work. Right? All right. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out demons. So it's not a you might. It means you shall. If you believe in his name. So understand what his name means. We have teaching on that. I don't have time to do all that in five weeks. But know what his name means. His reputation is in his name. When you use his name. You have his same authority if you're being led by Holy Spirit. If you're living a holy life unto God and you love God, you, he says, here's my name. It's kind of like the Lord saying, okay, I know I can't be there in the flesh with you, but you're mine. So use my name. And when you use my name, demons have to recognize my authority. Now, this is good. He's not asking you to do it in your, really, like in your authority. He's asking you to take authority in his name. So I want you to begin to see, wait, this is in Jesus' name that I'm praying for this to stop. This is in Jesus' name that I'm taking authority over this situation. This is in Jesus' name. And then you got to stop. That means Jesus is here in me. And the exact same thing that should happen if he's here is going to happen because he is here. And in the name of Jesus. So really start practicing using that name. Use that name when you're praying with your friends. Use that name when you're talking about something. Use that name when, the, when you have a problem with work or finances. Go before God. If you're really fighting temptation, say, in the name of Jesus, I refuse to give into this temptation in the name of Jesus, by the power of Jesus, by who he is. I refuse to do this. Lord, thank you for your grace. It's really hard to sin while you're saying Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
I mean, if you start watching garbage, like a horrible movie or garbage, and you're going, Jesus, Jesus, it's you're gonna, it's gonna be kind of hard, right? All right. Believer have the believers have a greater authority than the authority of demons. Demons are forced to yield to the authority of the name of Jesus, but you are the one who has to believe it. You have to believe it. All right. He goes on to say, you shall have power when the Holy Ghost is upon you. That's Acts 1.8. And I, this is something you all need to go and really pray about and study. If you, if you can go on online and check out our mentorship on the baptism of the Holy Spirit or read somebody else's book on it, whatever, you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That is not about talking in tongues. It's like God comes along and offers us this awesome power of being completely filled up with the Holy Spirit, with all of his power, with the power that was paid for by the blood of the lamb in the name of Jesus. And we all settled to say, you know, oh, I could talk in tongues. Well, yay. And tongues are good. And I've got teaching on that. I've used it seriously in situations. But when we settle, the devil's like, oh, this is great. They all think they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they know if they're really baptized in the Holy Spirit, we are in big trouble. But let's, God gave them tongues because that's what they're really focused on. And yeah, tongues can wham us some, but nothing like being empowered by the Holy Spirit. So when everybody, if you're not living a life where you are literally living in the power of God, then you need to begin to ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need to get alone with God, cry out to God, and, and ask him to baptize you, okay? When does he baptize us in the Holy Spirit? When we are serious about having his power to do his work for his glory. That's when he'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit. You don't need it otherwise. You don't need it. But when you're serious about that, and we've all settled for, you know, speaking in tongues and speaking in tongues. Some people haven't even settled for that. But it gives you a boldness. It makes you like another person. The power of God comes in. It's, and you, you continue to keep that oil because when you truly get baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's a fire released in you of God that makes you so hungry for God. So that's your assignment. Your assignment is between now and next Tuesday, get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Whoa, whatever. Pray, fast, seek the Lord, repent for settling just for being baptized years ago. Repent for just thinking it has to do with tongues. And if you need more proof, go look at the book of Acts and see what the early church looked like baptized in the Holy Spirit. All right. Um, okay, he called his uh, disciples together, Luke 9, 1. And he gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. So the power and the authority come from who? Jesus. Now before the cross, he gave it to his disciples so they could go and see what it looks like. So they could go and experiment with it. So they could go and be excited by it. Why would he do that? Because when he had left, he wanted them to know what to expect when the Holy Spirit comes on them that they weren't just to speak in tongues and hang out with Christians in social atmospheres. 
that they were going to go and cast out demons and cure the sick. So if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, his word wants you to know, he wants you to know, he expects you to heal sick people and he expects you to cast out demons. And if you just want to speak in tongues, you really don't even need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've got to decide, you know what? I do want to be somebody who casts out demons. I do want to be somebody who heals the sick. I'm not talking about fivefold ministry. I'm talking about casting the demons out of your own children, casting the demons out of yourself first, and healing the sick. Then you don't have to be afraid of anything, right? You don't have to be afraid of what's going on medically or what plagues are attacking our nation or anything else. All right. We're only got a few more minutes. So... In Mark chapter 16, seven, in verse 17, we are told to cast out demons in the name of Jesus. All right? So when you cast out a demon, always do it in the name of Jesus. Remember that. Don't just start saying a bunch of stuff out of your mouth. Just say in Jesus' name. Usually you can really seriously just walk along and say in Jesus' name, come out. I think we've, we've made it so many words, like as if the devil, the devil understands, come out in Jesus' name. He doesn't need a full conversation from you. We, we make it more about our head knowledge when we have to sit there and talk to people when we're praying for them. Truthfully, you don't even have to know necessarily what's wrong with them, but Jesus did converse with the person, so you can do that, but be led of the Spirit. Get the kind of faith. I said, come out, and I mean it in Jesus' name. Why do I mean it? Because it's in Jesus' name. He's not asking you to do it in your name. Everybody in here who is born again has in Jesus' name that they can use. Use it first for self-deliverance. Use it first for self-deliverance. Use it to get rid of spirits that distract people. Use it to get rid of things that try to bring things in the flesh that ought to stay in the spirit. And be serious about it. It's a bad thing to distract people who need to hear what God wants them to know. We don't know what the enemy's up to. But we better hope that the people who come to hear about in Jesus' name are hearing about in Jesus' name and not anything else. We need some reverent fear of the Lord. Some of you need some reverent fear of the Lord. That means I'm going to take more serious the things of God and I'm going to let go of all the things that I need self-deliverance from that distract from people hearing what they need in God. Has anybody else really recognized there's a strong anointing here tonight for people to really get this? And there's no reason to be here unless you know that you want to get this and you want to walk in the freedom and you want to bring freedom and anything in you that tries to get in the way of that, you're going to get deliverance and you're going to do deliverance and you're not going to feed it. You're going to fast it and make it leave and bow its knee to the name of Jesus. The church has got to grow up. We've got to grow up.
This is serious times. You don't want to stand before the Lord one day and find out that what you were operating in caused somebody else to miss what they needed to hear to have a victory. To him's given much, much is required. To the people in this church, much has been given. If you don't believe me, talk to Alana about trying to find another church. I know there's a lot of churches, but we have been given a lot. And this year, we are going to use it for God's glory and purposes. And we are going to see people set free. You guys are going to begin to do this where you're working. You're going to let go of everything else and do this for your families. You're going to pray for your kids. You're going to pray. You're going to cast demons out. You're going to mean it. And you're going to watch God back it up because you recognize in his name you can do this. And everything else you've ever had in your life, whether it's being silly, whether it's being distracting, whether it's drawing the tip, whatever it is, whether it's getting angry, I don't care what it is. In Jesus' name, get deliverance. See, did you hear that confirmation? In Jesus' name, get deliverance. Self-deliverance. See what you need to be delivered from. Sometimes it looks like good stuff, but it's not good stuff if you use it and the enemy uses it to stop you from walking in what God is calling you to walk in. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, he says, All power authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Then you go, there, go ye therefore into all the world. So you need to look at that. That's our commission. Our commission is Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. Let me see if I can find that really fast. Matthew 28 and verse 18. So the very last things that Matthew's going to be talking about. Then Jesus came close to them and said, all authority in all the universe has been given to me. Let me, let me go ahead and I'm going to do it. And let me get out. Trans. I'm going to do it in the um, literal. All authority in heaven and on earth was given to me. The Lord says, then having gone, he says, when I go, disciple all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're all called to do this. We are all called to do this. You are called to do this. Your children should know who God is. If your children don't know who God is, or your children's not walking with God, then we need to begin to get serious about what authority we have. And I'm even talking to myself here. Okay, we need to take this stuff serious. There is a spirit of the Lord in this place I've never felt before. A new guy really anointed me with, with a, a power last night um, and most of today because we're in a new season and he wants us to know he's doing this. You have authority to self-deliver, you guys. You young people, you have authority, as much authority as a grown-up has in the name of Jesus. Isn't that cool? You can see things changed in every situation. You can begin to believe or say, Jesus says all authority. So that means every single thing. He's one. Everything in heaven and on the earth belongs to Jesus. And he says, when I leave, I want you, that's all of us, to disciple the nations, baptize the people in the name of the Father and the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you and behold, I am with you all the days until the completion of the age. I want you to understand you're never alone. When people say I'm lonely, then you bought a lie. If you're born again, you're never alone. He is with you. He is with you all the days of your life. Once you say yes to Jesus, he's with you. 
He's given all power. And he te- because he has all power, he tells us to go. He tells us to go. He goes on to say this authority comes through salvation. The power comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The power given to the believer in the baptism is ev- evidenced by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he goes into all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We don't have time in this teaching. Go on the mentorship page. We have every single gift of the Spirit we have teaching on. We have scripture on. So you can learn to see I'm supposed to operate in all these gifts. I'm supposed to operate in the gift of discerning of spirits. I'm supposed to operate in the gift of knowledge. I'm supposed to operate in the gift of tongues and interpretation. I'm supposed to operate in the gifts of faith. I'm supposed to operate in laying my hands on the sick and they recover. We're all supposed to operate in that. How many know the devil is terrified of everybody figuring this out? If he can just keep it to a few superstars you watch on TV and their YouTube channel, then then he's like, okay, well, I got to put up with that. But if everybody walks out this place and starts doing this and meaning this and watching your family saved and changed and set free and your neighborhood and your kids at school and you're doing this for real and every client that comes into your office gets delivered, set free, and every kid that you guys have over after school begins to find out how real God is. This stuff is real. I remember when I used to go to a counselor's, uh, they had me come to, to do a Bible study, actually just to go pray for the kids. And these were tough kids. These were kids who were, you know, court ordered to be there. And some of them were drug, druggies and dealers and all kinds of mess. And some of them have been in jail. And, and just seeing the power of God, every one of them knows that Jesus is real now. Not all of them continue to live for him. All of them were changed. To this day, most of them still reverent and fear God in the sense they know that I'm the real deal if I run into them. Because I just went in there and I revealed Jesus and his power. I didn't just preach a bunch of words at them and show them the scripture. I didn't have to do much of that. I just came in by the power of God and told them that they could all get, and just not, God just knocked them all down. And they were like, whoa, what was that? What happened? And they knew he was really got their attention. We're sitting there letting the world do this stuff with demonic power when we have the real power that has more authority. We are going to walk in it, you guys. We are going to live the real Christian life. We're going to do this with God's power. It's evidence through these powers. So you can watch that. We're almost done. Um, I like he says, he says, he is, the Lord has already provided our salvation, our baptism in the Holy Spirit. He is now waiting for us to recognize that he has already made the necessary provisions so that we are to engage in spiritual warfare and become the church that was prophesied. He goes, and I shall, and he says to thee, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How many would say the gates of hell are prevailing pretty well right now against the church in the U.S. of A. and other nations? Well, that's because we're not walking in that power. It's because we're not really walking out like what the Lord told us to do. And Peter had the revelation of who Jesus Christ was. And when we get revelation from the Father and you know who you are in Christ, you are going to begin to see that the gates of hell do not prevail against your family, against your children, against your spouse, against your business, against your grandchildren, against your neighborhood, against your church, right? It's like quit being so absorbed in what's going on in the world that you cannot understand who you are in Christ and how awesome and powerful this is. We're in the showdown of all time. Um, 
I'll finish. I'm almost finished. I think I'm on page 18. <laughs> Luke 11, 20, 22, another one to really go and look at. But if with the finger of God, you cast out demons, then no doubt the kingdom of God is come to you. And I, so many people talk about the kingdom, sing about the kingdom, listen to songs about the kingdom. Has the kingdom of God come to you? Have you cast out a demon? With the finger of God? I can look around, I can tell you maybe five or six people have. I mean, if this is the year, it's got to become more. Some of you think you have, but I, we'll talk about that later. I've watched Karen do it. It's, and I've seen Caleb do it. I don't know that I've seen them many more that are here tonight, actually, walking that. Some of them, Nilo, all the time. That doesn't mean some of you haven't. I just don't. How many know? He's calling us to this. Kids, he's calling you to this. There's no junior Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the Holy Spirit. See the power of God in you guys? Man, you could have some fun. You can bind up stuff when there starts to be a fight in school. You can cast all that mess out of your friends. Right? Everybody, yay? All right. He says, when a strong man armed keeps his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor that he trusted and divides the spoils. That's us. We're the one who's stronger. We get to go in and kick the devils behind. We get to go in and take back. We overcome him and we take all of his weapons, his weapons against your health, his weapons against your finances, his weapons against your children, the weapons against our nation. We are the ones who get our stronger than him. Right? All right. And then once again, we don't have to, we'll go, we'll pick this up next time because we're really too late. Remind me that I'm on page 18 and we're talking about wrestling against spiritual wickedness. We just talked about authorities. We need to talk about wickedness. We may do that on Friday night, depending, because these are the spirits that we're going to be wrestling against. So make sure you read this and understand what these spirits are, but we'll pick this up next week. And I'm okay with skipping some of the chapters further in that gets into schizophrenia and some really heavier duty stuff as long as we can get everybody really trained in this basic stuff, okay? And so I want you to ask God, I want you to spend time with God and ask for the Holy Spirit baptism and mean it, okay? If you don't mean it, ask God why you don't mean it. I want you to also write down what are the things that you need self-deliverance from. I want you to spend this week, and those who are watching this later, spend this week and actually write down some things that you know you need self-deliverance from. If you don't know, ask somebody. Don't call it critical when they tell you. Okay? Really ask, what do I need self-deliverance from? Some of you could be really big stuff, and some of you have been at this for a while. It might be something really small, but it doesn't matter. What do you need self-deliverance from? 
I know you need deliverance from the Holy Spirit, but he wants you to do it. He wants you to walk in and recognize. He wants everybody here to learn. You don't have to come for somebody else to do deliverance unless the Holy Spirit causes you to. But it's time now for you to recognize that thing, hate that thing, command it to go in the name of Jesus and mean it. And as long as you still like that thing, it's not going anywhere, people. So hate what he hates. See what Satan is really stealing from you. And decide to kick him out. So, Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for your presence here. I thank you for these people who would come, Lord. And, Father, that Father, I just see that you're going to raise up some, such powerful, powerful warriors who will do the fight in this day, Lord, for their friends, for their neighbors, for their families, God, for their parents, for their children, for their grandparents, God. Father, that we would be a, a place that would see such victory that none of our relatives would go to hell, Lord God. Father, that none would, would be short, Lord, that we would not live lives of bondage and sin. God, I just thank you for what you're doing. Let us see. Let us see you, Lord. Let us see ourselves through your eyes, Lord. Let us see each other through your ability and your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you love this teaching, then you better say you love this teaching. Then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there, and there's a resource uh, library there. And also, check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you. <laughs>